0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran here on this uh, October 24th, 2013. And outside is frosty. It's uh, morning here on the east coast of North America uh, in a suburb of New York City called New Jersey. And uh, happy to be with you today. This is the Mystic Show where we talk about mindfulness, spirituality, and personal development. We're all about the personal development. And we have a great guest today coming up uh, later in the show. So, um, someone from the UK is joining us. So I'll leave you in a little bit of suspense. But uh, it's someone that uh, we met on Twitter, actually. And I don't know if you've connected with us on Twitter, if you follow us. Our Twitter handle is at TheMysticShow. And our website is TheMysticShow.net. TheMysticShow.net. And you can also find our phone number there. You can call the show when we're live. We're live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, We do a one-hour show. It also gets replayed in the evening on the Fractal Stream. That's our station. And, of course, everything's archived on the website. All the episodes are archived. You can search through, look for topics that interest you, and listen to that show. You can even download the shows. You know, take them with you when you go places. I know several people who, uh, listeners of the show, who, um, they they When they walk or they go running, they listen to The Mystic Show. I mean, what a better combination, right? Physical workout and a mental-slash-spiritual workout. Although, obviously, there's, there's no such thing as working out spiritually. Uh, that would be just meditating, I guess. But... Um, yeah, and if you want to comment on any of our shows, go ahead. So we're going to get right into this today. Um, I hope I hope you've been listening to the past few shows, because we started reading from this James Allen book called Above Life's Turmoil. And I, I think it's about to kick into high gear right here. We've read three of the passages. We read uh, True Happiness... The Immortal Man And yesterday we read The Overcoming of Self And Again the whole The whole premise of this whole book Is above life's turmoil You know Life is crazy Life is nutty And it just never stops It's relentless And um, it It's quite often annoying and frustrating and all those things, and crazy and evil and negative and, and also positive and wonderful at times. But all that commotion outside of ourselves is life outside of ourselves, and you can't really change it. So what we have to do is, as the title says, rise above life's turmoil. And how do you do that? Well, you do that inside yourself. You create peace and you create tranquility inside yourself. So outside yourself may be all crazy and negative, maybe, or animalistic, as we're going to find out in a second, Uh, but inside yourself can be divine. And you can actually exist in this world as miserable as it seems sometimes. Uh, you can exist in this world and be happy and be spiritually content and reach your goal. It can be done. And I guess that's what, if you're listening to this show, you're uh, a mystic in training. So you you know what I'm talking about. Because I know you want to reach some goal, right? I mean, you may not be able to articulate it perfectly, what that goal is. And that's the funny thing. I've I've done many seminars where I teach goal setting in terms of you know, the material world goal setting like you know, how much money do you want to earn, how what kind of a house do you want to live in, what kind of a car do you want to drive? Um and where do, where would you like to go on vacation? I've done plenty of that and one of the big things one of the most helpful things in that process is to actually visualize in detail your goal so if you have a goal that you want to buy this new car you actually visualize the car you actually you can even go to the dealership sit in the car take pictures of the car put it you know put it on your fridge at home so you keep looking at the car but the thing is that's a physical goal right that's a material world goal think about a spiritual goal you actually can't visualize it you're not able to visualize it, and as we know, that's a problem because when we don't have a picture for something, there's a little bit of confusion. So, so when we talk about a spiritual goal, it's really not something we can visualize and say, "Yeah, my spiritual goal has a a, a three fifty engine with uh, seventeen inch tires and." stainless steel rims and i mean you just can't say that right because really our the spiritual goal is beyond our mind even so your mind is trying to think about something that is way beyond it so your your mind stops at some it doesn't stop your mind can't function beyond a certain level and beyond that level is spirit or whatever you want to call that so, our spiritual goal is beyond our mind. So, our mind is never going to be able to understand it. That's why we meditate. That's why it's experiential. You have to do it for yourself and feel it. Alright, so, let's jump in here. This, uh, this passage of the James Allen book is called The Uses of Temptation. The Uses of Temptation. And this is from the book Above Life's Turmoil, By the English mystic James Allen. All right, let's start. The soul, in its journey towards perfection, passes through three distinct stages. The first is the animal stage, in which the man is content to live in the gratification of his senses. Unawakened to the knowledge of sin or of his divine inheritance, and altogether unconscious of the spiritual possibilities within himself. The second is the dual stage, in which the mind is continually oscillating between its animal and divine tendencies having become awakened to the consciousness of both. It is during this stage that temptation plays its part in the progress of the soul. It is a stage of continual fighting, of falling and rising, of sinning and repenting, for the man, still loving, and reluctant to leave the gratifications in which he has so long lived, yet also aspires to the purity and excellence of the spiritual state, and he is continually mortified by an undecided choice. Urged on by the divine life within him, This stage becomes at last one of deep anguish and suffering and then the soul is ushered into the third stage that of knowledge in which the man rises above both sin and temptation and enters into peace. Temptation like contentment in sin is not a lasting condition as the majority of people suppose. It is a passing phase, an experience through which the soul must pass. But as to whether a man will pass through that condition in this present life and realize holiness and heavenly rest here and now, Will depend entirely upon the strength of his intellectual and spiritual exertions, and upon the intensity and ardor with which he searches for truth. Temptation, with all its attendant torments, can be overcome here and now, but It can only be overcome by knowledge. It is a condition of darkness or of semi-darkness. The fully enlightened soul is proof against all temptation. When a man fully understands the source, nature, and meaning of temptation in that hour he will conquer it and will rest from his long travail. But whilst he remain in ignorance, attention to religious observances, and much praying and reading of Scripture will fail to bring him peace. If a man goes out to conquer an enemy, knowing nothing Of his enemy's strengths, tactics, or place of ambush He will not only ignominiously fail But will speedily fall into the hands of the enemy He who would overcome his enemy, the tempter Must discover his stronghold and place of concealment And must also find out the unguarded gates in his own fortress Where his enemy effects so easy an entrance This necessitates continual meditation Ceaseless watchfulness And constant and rigid introspection Which lays bare before the spiritual eyes of the tempted one the vain and selfish motives of his soul. This is the holy warfare of the saints. It is the fight upon which every soul enters when it awakens out of its long sleep of animal indulgence. Men fail to conquer, and the fight is indefinitely prolonged Because they labor, almost universally, under two delusions First, that all temptations come from without And second, that they are tempted because of their goodness Whilst a man is held in bondage by these two delusions he will make no progress. When he has shaken them off, he will pass on rapidly from victory to victory and will taste of spiritual joy and rest. Two searching truths must take the place of these two delusions. And these truths are First, that all temptation comes from within. And second, that a man is tempted because of the evil that is within him. The idea that God, a devil, evil spirits, or outward objects are the source of temptation must be dispelled. The source and cause of all temptation is in the inward desire. That being purified or eliminated, outward objects and extraneous powers are utterly powerless to move the soul to sin or to temptation. The outward object is merely the occasion of the temptation never the cause this is in the desire of the one tempted if the cause existed in the object all men would be tempted alike temptation could never be overcome and men would be hopelessly doomed to endless torment But seated, as it is, in his own desires, he has the remedy in his own hands and can become victorious over all temptation by purifying those desires. A man is tempted because there are within him certain desires or states of mind which he has come to regard as unholy. These desires may lie asleep for a long time, and the man may think that he has got rid of them, when suddenly, on the presentation of an outward object, the sleeping desire wakes up and thirsts of immediate gratification. And this is the state of temptation. All right, we'll stop there for now. We'll just take a quick break.
1: One of these days I'm gonna sit down And write a long letter To all the good friends I've known And I'm gonna try To thank them all For the good times together Though so apart We've grown I'm gonna sit down
0: Thanks to Neil Young. That's another one of his songs called One of These Days, and it's off of that uh, Harvest Moon album I mentioned yesterday. It's a great, uh, great album, great song. Thanks to Neil Young. I mean, how many lives has that guy touched? Right? Unbelievable. Well, welcome back to The Mystic Show. Uh, I'm Chris Curran, and our website is themysticshow.net. Have you been there yet? Have you been there lately? (laughs) Uh, We have all the past shows archived there. You can browse, and you can even comment on them. You can send us a love note through the Contact Us page, and you can also get our phone number and our Skype handle to give us a call. Whenever we talk about a subject that, that you have a comment on, go ahead and give a call, give your comment, and uh, hang up. I mean, you don't have to stay on the show for a half an hour. Even 30 seconds would be awesome. So we're going to have our guest in about five or eight minutes. Uh, But how about that, uh, wow, this section here from Above Life's Turmoil, right? The Uses of Temptation. And I read about half of this section because it is... This one's a slightly longer than the rest. Um, But right, he talks about the three stages. There's the animal stage, the dual stage, and then the third stage, which is that of knowledge. And it's funny the the way my spiritual guide phrases it. He says, first we're animal man, and then we're man man and then we become divine man. And in a way that's a it's a really helpful way to look at uh spiritual progress, I think. I mean, you can you can see a lot of the actions we take as human beings are very animalistic. And a lot of them are very natural as well. I mean, cuz we are part animal to some degree, right? I mean we're we're mammals I think are we mammals are you, are human beings mammals um anyway if you have the answer <laughs> call us um yeah but you know so we have our base in uh in the earth right as a living being of the earth but yet inside of us we seem to have this capacity for divinization to to reach higher planes of consciousness and uh, and it seems our journey you know the journey of our soul may be a little different than than the journey of the soul of a mosquito let's say i could be wrong i mean maybe in general it's the same evolution right but when you hear about all the uh, out-of-body experiences and the near-death experiences and um, all the psychic powers and everything, I mean, it's pretty clear that we as humans are on a whole nother level than uh, than any animal life or insects or anything like that. And so then he also talks about uh, that there's two two delusions, right? That most people live under. The first one being that all temptation comes from without, meaning from outside of yourself. And the second, that they're tempted because of their goodness. And James Allen says, well, those are delusions. And the truth is, first, all temptation comes from within. And this, I mean, again, this is a, this is a spiritual truth, right? That everything comes from within. In fact, I was just, I was on Facebook the other day and somebody asked the question, you know, how do you, I, I forget what it was, It was like, how do you rise, you know, how do you not be affected by all the craziness in the world or in the family, you know, how do you remain not affected by that? And I basically, my my response was, I mean, I said it. You know, in a nice way, but I was like, look, everything outside of you is just illusion. And it's not completely an illusion because it's real. I think Ram Das said it well when he says that things outside of you are relatively real, meaning they're kind of real. They're real for now, but they're not going to be real for very long. I mean, in 200 years, we're all going to be dust. So how real is for instance your body? How real is that? Well, it's real now. Right? But in 200 years it's going to be dust. So then what? So yeah, so all so everything comes from within. We we see the world based on our desires and our own level of spiritual consciousness. That's why He also says here that if the temptation was in an object, then everybody would be tempted by the same thing. You know, some people like drinking, some people like gambling, some people like smoking. Everyone has their own desire, which is their temptation. (laughs) So, okay, so that was the first truth, was that all temptation comes from within, and the second truth was that a man is tempted because of the evil that is within him. I mean, evil is kind of a strong word, but it it it's correct. Um, you might say impurities within us, imperfections, or another word you could use is grossness, where we accumulate. Um. You know, we accumulate our these desires and our experience, and then we we have habits, mental habits, and then we just judge everything by that. You know, like my mom makes the best grilled cheese sandwich. Well, why? Well, because you because I grew up eating it my whole life, and that's that's the best. But then the the neighbor says, "Oh, my mom makes the best grilled cheese." Well, ha, well, who makes the best grilled cheese then? There is no best grilled cheese, right? It's just what you like. It's what what you're drawn to, what your desire is, right? So that's what he talks about when it comes from within. Um, and this is, it's going to, we're going to finish this little uh, passage tomorrow. But I really like this, right? The whole animal stage, the dual stage, and the divine stage. And really understanding temptation, right? I think that can trip a lot of people up when they sort of judge themselves. Like, ooh, I, I, you know, um, I can't, I shouldn't eat chocolate. I can't eat chocolate, you know? And then they're tempted by chocolate all the time. And then if they have any chocolate, then they feel bad that they had chocolate. They feel guilty. So this whole temptation and then action and then guilt, it's all... It's all a big game until, as James Allen says, the person becomes, it um, comes at last to a stage of deep anguish and suffering. And then that's when we wake up, right? When things get so bad that we can't really handle it. And then we say, oh my God, what I need, you know, what is this all about? What is life all about? And then, then then we wake up. Then we understand, start to understand that hey, there's something deeper going on here. And the fact and, and we start to understand that it stems from inside of ourselves. And that's spirituality, looking inside yourself. You know, religion looks outside. Spirituality looks inside. So I think we're going to take a little break, and uh, then we'll hopefully we can get our guest on. So, be right back. Welcome back to the Mystic show. Thanks to Anya for the song Boadicea. that's how I, that's how I'm gonna pronounce it. that's um, like a good right Very sweet. Um, thanks Anya. Um, maybe she could be on our show sometime too. if anyone if if any of you know her please send her an email or a tweet. <laughs> All right well. Let's uh let's try and get our guest on here. Um I'm going to because <clears throat> because I'm the host and producer, I'm going to do this on the air uh make the phone call and see if we can connect here on Skype. And uh up oh, there it's ringing. Uh, okay, so... Oh, hi. Hello, Adrian. Hi. Hi, welcome to The Mystic Show. Thank you. Yeah, so glad you could join us. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so um, we connected on Twitter, actually, and uh, Twitter's a great place to, to connect, isn't it? Don't you like Is, it, Adrian? It, isn't it wonderful? It's great.
1: A, a meeting of like minds.
0: Yeah, like-minded people, and, um, and you can, you know, one of the best things about Twitter is that it's just short little updates, and yeah. it doesn't take hours and hours to read. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want to just introduce you. You, um, you have a website called...
1: Uh, lovelifelivenow.com
0: Yes, lovelifelivenow.com, and it's all about mindfulness and the evolution of human consciousness, and I was checking out your site earlier this week, and it's really nice. And and by the way, you have a blog post. Uh, That's right, yes. yes. Recently, it's called Defeat the Zombie Apocalypse <laughs> with Mindfulness. <laughs> that is tremendous. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that one. because, And actually, on one of the other shows, we had a guy on who wrote a song called, uh, I think it was preparing for the zombie acop- apocalypse or something like that.
1: Oh, it's already here.
0: Yeah, it's here. <laughs> and and when me when my wife and I drive around on the road and people, you know, mindless people, they're not even thinking, they're not even Present at all? We we started calling them zombies, actually.
1: Oh well, that, that's what it is. Really, they were living dead.
0: Yeah. So how did you come across that concept of of zombies? Oh
1: well, well, because I, cause I, cause I spent a lot of my life as a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> right? I guess. Yeah. Until uh, so I couldn't handle being a zombie anymore, because it's it's pretty 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 painful looking like that, isn't it? Lost in a dream, lost in a. The story in your head uh, and that uh, in me as in many people now you've it, it, it reached crisis point uh, and that crisis point in me affected itself in mental illness so I, I really had had no choice really i couldn't live in my mind so i thought I, so I had to escape uh, and meditation for me was was the way out of the madness okay so, and when, when, did you, when did you have this
0: little awakening for yourself?
1: Well, I, I, I started meditating around 99, 2000, really, to, to help with stress and depression and anxiety. I had a very serious drink and drug problem to, to add to the mix. Uh, so really, I, I started meditating for mental health. I had, I had no idea that there was, was anything beyond the sort of reality I'd experienced. But in the process of doing that, it it opened things up and uh, opened things up enough for me to stop drinking. Uh, mm. And that really, I think, was the catalyst for an awakening. So without the alcohol to suppress awareness, things moved on very, very quickly. And within a matter of weeks of stopping drinking, I had, uh, uh, well, looking back on it, I didn't know where that was what was happening at the time, but I suppose I had a, what you might call a satori. I had a, I had a, I had a glimpse of enlightenment. Um, mm. Which didn't last. That lasted about twenty minutes, and, uh, <laughs> and I've been trying to find my way back ever since. I suppose
0: that's interesting. You know, um, Eckhart Tolle, the author of The Power of Now, he also had a similar. I mean, I
1: know. He, he's was yeah, his was permanent. His was permanent. and that and that in the past, that's that's how awakening happened. It, it was very well, often a, a sudden realization, uh, but, but that's not what's happening now. Uh, a lot of people are awakening, but it's, uh, they're doing it much more the way that, that I'm doing it. It's, 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 it's a more gradual, although it's not gradual, it's happening really at a very accelerated pace, but it, it's not all happening in one go. Right. It's gradually gradual evolution of consciousness, gradual awakening.
0: So it was mindfulness that really helped you. So what, what kind of techniques or what kind of mindfulness did you do?
1: I didn't even know it was called mindfulness when I started practicing. I've been practicing for years before I knew it was called mindfulness. And what, what mindfulness really means is watching. It, it's developing the ability to observe the functioning of your own mind, to to see your own lies.
0: <laughs> I like that to see your own lies. Wow.
1: Because because once you start looking. That's very quickly what you see. That actually most of the thinking that's going on in our heads is, is, is utterly useless. <laughs> it's 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 largely incorrect, and a very good proportion of it is downright destructive.
0: Right, and then and then you continued on. I guess I I didn't know you overcame. Uh... The drinking, and by the way, I had a similar experience when I started meditating the The drinking just completely went away, like gone
1: well, I would go as far as to say that alcohol is is the biggest factor in the suppression of human consciousness
0: right yeah that's the big uh it
1: keeps keeps you stupid,
0: yeah, right it just numbs you and
1: it makes numbs you dumb you. it, 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 it not just mentally, but it—it it, it, actually, really, what alcohol does is it, it suppresses your emotional state. It—it it, it stops you feeling. It shuts you down emotionally. Which is why I used to drink, right? Because I couldn't handle my emotions, and alcohol helped me avoid them. But if we're shutting down our emotions, we're we're shutting down the vehicle to the full depth of the well.
0: Right. And now, so you, so you had this, uh, you know, realization on your own, and and you, you know, kind of overcame alcohol. But then you started actually working with other folks to help them overcome their well, addictions.
1: Like, well, see, see, here's the irony: see, at at the time of this this episode happening, I was a social worker working with drinking drug addicts. Interesting. How's that for, for denial? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't the only one. Right. <laughs> it was, it was finally, coming. So I could empathise completely with where they were at. But I didn't have a bloody clue what to do with it. Didn't have Interesting. Any idea how I had a way out of it? So, having had this realisation, it became obvious to me. Well, of course, that's the answer, isn't it? You know, what is addiction about? Addiction is an attempt to escape your mind. Right. Well, what are you doing when you drink the drugs? You're getting out of your head. You're getting out of your mind. Plain and simple. That's what you're trying to do. Right. And
0: it's interesting. Dan Winter, he's another guy. Um, he's a, a guy I, I've followed some of his teaching. And he he I think he put it really well. He basically said that we're all trying to <clears> – <throat> we're all searching for this bliss that somehow our soul knows is there. We keep trying these wrong methods, and, and really, maybe alcohol and drugs, is we're really just trying to achieve that oh, bliss, but we just don't I, know how to do it.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I think addiction really is, a, is, a, is fundamentally a reflection of our evolutionary drive. Well, what are you doing when you're taking mind altering substances? You're attempting to alter your state of mind. It, it's an exploration of consciousness that's the whole point right you no know, and i think that is an innate part of who we are as human beings we we are seeking higher states it's it's normal it's not a disease it's not an illness it's it's our evolutionary drive and without that drive we'd all still be sitting in trees somewhere <laughs> right yeah and, and the cure for addiction is not, not, in my mind, it's not suppressing that drive. It's not resisting that, fighting that every day for the rest of your life. It's acknowledging what it is and, and taking a natural, healthy path to achieve it. And, and that, for me, is meditation. Right. It's, I challenge anybody to live in my head sober. <laughs> right. But with meditation, I don't have to. Hmm. I can, I can cry quite. I'm talking to you now. There's not a thought in my head. And that's kind of how I like it. Right. Because my thinking is largely destructive. It's very painful.
0: Yeah, well, and that's also very natural in a way.
1: Well, it's normal. I would say 95% of the emotional distress we experience, our anger, our fear, our guilt, our resentments, our disappointments, our our striving, our craving, our chasing, 95% of our personal human suffering is not caused by actually what's happening here now in reality, but it's a product of what is going on in our heads. Right. And mindfulness gives you the opportunity to choose. This thought in my head, is it helpful to me? And some of them are, maybe fifteen percent of them are. But very often what you see is actually no, this thought isn't helpful. It's it's a thought that I've had a thousand times before, ten thousand times before, a hundred thousand times before. And this pattern of thinking causes me suffering. I would observe that thought and I'll choose to let it go.
0: Very <clears throat> Interesting. So let's. Uh, I wanted to talk about this evolution of human consciousness because I think you, 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 you wrote that you were involved in the um, what was it, the Occupy London
1: movement? Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, and and we don't have to talk all about that, but you can you can mention that if you want. You can talk about. Well, it,
1: but I mean, this, this was, I mean, I, I did a couple of talks uh, with these young people, and it's. I would read mean, the 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 essence that the point I, I was making, and I think it was actually quite well received is actually if you want change, it's got to come from somewhere else. You know that, actually change is happening, change is happening. And, and the young people involved in eyes like this, so they are change makers. And it's people like that who are going to bring about change. But the nature of that change, whether it's good or bad, depends upon the degree of consciousness of the people making that change. Mm. Uh, if they're making that change from anger, if they're making that change from greed, if they're making that change from lack or wanting or desire or jealousy, then they're going to bring about more of the same.
0: Right. It'll change the face of it, but it won't change oh, the essence you, you of it. To,
1: you have to change the essence. I, I, I travel up the train to work with a very, very wise man uh, who uh, sits in the House of Lords. And he, he's a proper old English gentleman, proper old aristocrat, very wise uh, and he said something very profound to me the other way. We were talking about what was wrong with the system. And this guy's done a lot, you know, within the system. He's campaigned for civil liberties, and, you know, he was instrumental in the government's decliner, dropping the idea of ID cards here. You know, he was part of that. He's a very influential guy. And he said to me, "No, well, no I said to him, what do we need to do to change the system? He said, the system doesn't need changing. There's nothing wrong with the system. It's the mentality of the people running it. And of course, he's right, isn't it? It doesn't matter how perfect the system is, if people are operating from that old state of consciousness, then they're going to recreate more of the same. So, change really for me is about, it's about an evolution of consciousness. It's about, about learning that we are connected, it's about understanding that your interests are my interests. And this, this brings me back to this whole issue of emotion. Because when you're thoughtless, when you're aware, when you're conscious, you are connected to your emotional state. You're, you're acutely aware of your, how you feel. And very quickly what you realize is that how you act, how you conduct yourself in the world, what you do to others, affects your emotional state. If I harm you, that hurts me. Hmm. I gave my seat to an old lady on the train the other day. Not because I thought I should do it, although I did think I should do it. I gave her my seat because I realized that by giving her my seat, she was relieving my discomfort. sitting her, I was sitting in a nice comfy chair, but watching her standing up on her frail old legs trying to keep her balance was causing me acute discomfort. By giving her my seat, I was relieving my discomfort. Now, if everybody realized that, they'd all be volunteering their seats, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. So this, is, this, for me, is what the change that needs to happen is that we need to operate a more conscious place. Where well, we're operating with a place of emotion rather than analysis and stories and beliefs and opinions, then we, we connect. We connect to a higher intelligence. We connect to an intelligence that is not separate from ourselves. And we yeah. see that we're all connected, that all our interests are the same. Yeah, and, that, and that life's about cooperation rather than competition. It's about sharing rather than taking.
0: Right. So now when you were talking to the the folks from the, the Occupy London, younger folks, and you were giving them this, I guess you were giving this sort of message, were Were they open to it or was it? were they still you know, very emotional?
1: Do you know what they really were? I, I i and this gives me great hope right. the, the the older people there you know my age and a little bit younger lo- locked in their old ideologies, completely lost mm. and, and very threatened by what I was saying because because they are part of the paradigm through which they are seeking to undermine. Mm, right. <laughs> and, and to and to offer that as a suggestion can be very threatening when you face your identity around but what I did find very, very encouraging was actually a number of young people that really got this. That, that are really waking up. That, 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 yeah, they're, they're way, way, way ahead of, of us sometimes. They're far, far smarter than some of these guys. But they really were on this wavelength. And at the end, when I asked them, you know, as a group, whether any of them come across ideas like this before, were familiar with these ideas? And the number of them showed their hands was, was really impressive. And um, it was, um, no, I, I was surprised, but I'm I'm very optimistic.
0: Mm, That's good. Do you do any formal meditation program or process?
1: Well, myself, yes. I mean, I I, I live in a state of meditation. I'm in a state of meditation now. Riding my bike is one of my favorite forms of meditation. Meditation is a state of awareness. It's It's a state of thoughtless awareness. That arises from the practice can arise from the practice of meditation techniques but when you're in a state of meditation you don't need the technique you're already here the technique is a purpose requirement so techniques are helpful you know, they can they can take you towards that place but they're not important in themselves signposts
0: right right yeah. So let's, let's talk about this. You're riding your bike and you're in a meditative kind of state oh, and, yeah, you, and no. you come across the, a, a zombie after zombie after zombie. How do you handle that?
1: Well, if they're, if they're, if they're so lost in their minds, they're not concentrating on their driving, <laughs> 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 which does happen, then I might find myself in a ditch. Oh. <laughs> but I just concentrate on where I am. That's, that's all meditation is, is focusing your full attention on what is real. meditation is not not about falling asleep meditation is about waking up it's about waking up to reality to to the miracle of this moment rather than spending our lives in a dream that only exists in our own head right, that makes sense everything through a story through our perceptions through our beliefs through our opinions through our judgement that's not the same as experiencing reality the moment it becomes a perception, the truth is lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So all meditation is is engaging directly with the truth, yeah. directly with the only thing that is real, and that is this present moment. That's think, a hard one to swallow, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, you know, hey, it's a big <laughs> – it, It's it's such a monumental – Shift for someone who yes. is not used to it. And um, yes, were yes. you into personal development at all be- before? <laughs> no, I was into booze. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so booze <Blues> and
1: women. <laughs> so, all
0: right, fair enough. So after you um, you had your, your life change, did you get into any books or any, any teachings or any authors?
1: Well, I mean, my my particular favorite is Eckhart Tolle. I mean, for me, is is the the master. Mm. And and his work has been a, a profound, profound help to me in in, in, in my progress. Um, there are others. Uh, I very much, very much enjoy uh, your your American associate Adi I think he's. Uh, um, I very much enjoy his teaching. I mean, there's lots. I mean, there's lots, lots of lots of great teachers, and we're, and we're very lucky now. I mean, there's some wonderfully conscious teachers now.
0: And let me ask you this: on on social media, on Twitter and other online f- forums, are how, how do you see? Is that helping to to sort of usher in this new consciousness at all?
1: Oh, immensely, immensely. I would actually go as far to say is that, that consciousness is evolving through the internet, <laughs> and, and this is the wonderful thing about the internet because a lot of this happening this really isn't happening through through to a through a, a, a human design it's the the ideas come fresh ideas new creations i am look how it's moved on it's incredible this is there's evolution happening there you see consciousness can can operate through any network Mm. it can operate through through artificial networks i suspect it already is right because nobody can predict what's going to happen on the internet it's all evolving
0: yeah literally every moment
1: literally literally (laughs)
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter and the show, and like I like, um, I follow certain people who give out good quotes, and then you know, you're know you able to comment on things. Sometimes people are having an argument, and you can just put in a, like, a soft, calm word, and it, it actually makes a difference.
1: I try to stay away from opinions, personally. They're all sorts, you see. But, but what I love about Twitter is how it brings people together. You know these, these wacky ideas I'm talking about here, I'm talking to you now. Isn't that wonderful? half uh, around the world, and, and we're having this conversation. And we would've, we were never connected like that without the internet.
0: Exactly. So are you still working with folks? How, what are you doing these days?
1: Well, I do. Um, I, I, I still do a little bit of uh, my, my work with addiction, although I tend to do that on Skype these days. Uh, uh, I, I have a lot of clients, really. I try not to have too many. Um, although I want to keep my hand in But my work now, really, is is much more about playing my part in this global awakening. Uh, It's offering these ideas to very, very many more people. And my little project that I run in London is is called called the Now Project. Uh, And really what it's about is about making these ideas acceptable to ordinary people. Right yeah you know, you know, I think the, I think the ideas and the idea of meditation is is a real it, it frightens people in the West you know that you know, they tend to associate it with you know, Eastern mysticism or wearing yo robes and, and mantras and, and strange things like that. you know that can frighten people, but actually it, it really doesn't have to be like that and uh, uh, my work really is about trying to open these possibilities up to people that would be we're put off by that kind of thing. So, so I try and keep it very, very ordinary, very simple, very practical.
0: Right. So what, what kind of simple explanation do you give to people about meditation? Or did you probably mentioned it already on, on the show.
1: Meditation literally is observing with a quiet mind. Meditation is about focusing attention.
0: Right? Yeah, people understand that for sure.
1: Meditation is about waking up. It's about escaping your own dream. <laughs> Meditation is about focusing attention. Right. Choosing where you focus your attention rather than your attention being involuntarily distracted.
0: Yeah, by the news and the papers and everything. Yeah. And the zombies.
1: And the zombies. <laughs>
0: Well, Adrian, uh, this has been really great. Do you have any uh, announcements you want to make? Any events you're doing? Anything you're doing online?
1: We've got got a few things going on at the moment. We're running uh, classes in London, six-week mindfulness classes in London. Okay. Um, It's all on the website. I've got a series of mindfulness intensive retreats lined up over the winter. Uh, And... uh, Occasionally, still doing a bit of one-to-one stuff on Skype, but there, there's all sorts of stuff going on. The project is evolving.
0: Nice. So you're doing some retreats this uh, this winter, yes, huh?
1: Yes, 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 yes. We found a fantastic little venue in the in the West Country, which is in the the heart of sacred England. It's around Glastonbury and Stonehenge and, and the Avery Stone Circle. And it's just got an amazing, amazing energy. So we're going to tuck ourselves away there for a couple of couple of a uh, few weekends over winter and. Uh,
0: Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, my wife and I are actually uh starting to uh organize some retreats as well. Uh but we're I we're we're just at the beginning. The okay. the organization we started is called Pause Your Life. And wow. the angle we're coming from is that you know you know, talking about meditation and talking about evolution of human consciousness is great, but honestly, people, especially here, I don't know how it is in London. I'm sure it's the same. People's lives are so busy, and they're just nonstop yeah. from morning till night, and they never get to just sit yeah. and think or anything. Yeah. So.
1: Well, they're rushing to the future. <laughs> yeah. right. Rushing through their lives to old age and death. <laughs> What's the hurry, eh?
0: <laughs> and missing the present moment. Half the missing time, most missing of the, time. the
1: only thing that's real. That's a bum deal. Yeah. Like.
0: So, Adrian, thank you so much. Again, your website is... Uh,
1: lovelifelivenow.com
0: uh, Right, and I'm going to put that on the show post so the you, the listener, you can go there and just click on it. lovelifelivenow.com live
1: It's a call cool to awakening. The, the, the project's evolving, but it, the, the aim really is to provide a vehicle to help people through this transition.
0: And be sure to read the blog post called Defeat the Zombie Apocalypse with Mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I love that. That's probably getting a lot of attention on online, right on Twitter yes. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So this is great. Thank you so much, Adrian. I also put your Twitter handle in there so folks can That's follow nice. you on Twitter as well. Thank you so much for being on the Mystic Show. We really appreciate it. Absolute
1: pleasure. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Great stuff. Thanks, Adrian. All right. Well, that was great, right? What a different perspective and and you know, he's working with addictions and the Occupy London movement. Very cool stuff. So I think we'll just go ahead and, uh, wrap up now. So there you go. Uh, I'm glad you could join me today to read that little piece from the James Allen book and talk about it a little. And then with our great guest, Adrian from the UK, again, I'll put his information on, uh, on the post. So you can just click through to his link and check out his website. Um, in fact, I saw one of his retreats. What does it say here? Um Hold on a second. It's not going to come up. Of course, now that I'm now that I'm looking for it, it won't show up. But I'm on his website, which is love life live now and yeah, it's something like walking the dragon circle. I think it was one of his retreats. He he was uh, it was an ad for one of the retreats. Um Anyway, check it out, and as he said, let's kind of be mindful of our own emotions and the present moment, and practice having that higher awareness during your regular mundane daily life. Integrated in there. It can be done. With practice, it works really well. There you go. Walking the dragon's tail. That's what it says on his website. Check it out. All right, well, as you move through your day you know what to do by now keep shining